Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome, my special community, to the In Awe Podcast and a fresh series for this June month, In Awe of Leading Ladies. After a month hiatus from amplifying incredible women, I am excited to share some powerful stories with you that are going to be right on time no matter when you are hearing them. If you've been along with me in this podcast journey for any length of time, you know that I am deeply passionate about the mission and the messages of the guests I feature here, and I'm excited to share that as my own journey evolves, so too will the podcast. After nearly three years of sustaining the show all in my own in creativity, production, and finances, I am moving toward collaboration and making this venture more sustainable for our family. One element I am ecstatic about is the partnerships meant to serve through this podcast. You're going to notice ads here on the show regularly for the first time ever, and I want you to know that I will only be sharing products and services that I know will serve this faithful and special community. They will be those types that I can stand behind wholeheartedly, and those that I know are worthy to share our precious Space here. Of course, women led and meant to give life. So thank you for joining me on the journey in this podcast, for supporting it with your shares, consistently showing up, and many of you for being a guest on the show. I continue to be inspired by the way God uses this show, and I am excited to enter into a fresh season of possibility for this community. Now on to the series. Our guiding quote for this month is fire and should indicate to you the empowerment we will all feel channeled through Beyonce, baby. We need to reshape our own perception of how we view ourselves. We have to step up as women and take the lead. The women featured on this series and the stories they share uniquely illustrate the beauty in their own reshaped perceptions, as well as how stepping up and taking this lead can be done in many ways. I am elated to share these special voices with you this month, friends, so let's get started and hear from our first leading lady. Michaela Andrews is a Canadian native living in Wisconsin. She loves theater, her husband, Timothy, and ice cream. Michaela works as a pastor at Red Cedar Church, specializing in the areas of creative worship, administrative leadership, and communication. In this episode, we discuss Michaela's journey into the pastoral profession and the joys and challenges of leading during the COVID-19 pandemic. She shares about how her passion for theater helped shape her leadership skills and the ways that passion translates to her current context of leading a church today. And Michaela shares powerful insights into her own journey of becoming worthy and leading even when she felt unqualified for the role. At every turn of this conversation, I could feel the mission in Michaela's message. I am deeply inspired by the way she is able to weave faith, realities of being a woman in leadership, and the vulnerability in sharing pieces of her heart. This is a powerful, real, and timely conversation that will hold you wrapped from beginning to end. My love for this woman grew by bounds in the conversation, and I have zero doubt that there is a message meant exactly for you here, my friends. It is with deep joy that I share with you today Michaela Andrews's leading lady story. Before we dive in, I wanted to share an exciting opportunity with my listeners. In 2021, my one word is become, and an emphasis in that space is learning to release my running streak and embrace a stronger and agile version of me. I have also needed to conquer my sugar addiction and become more mindful and in control of my overall well-being through nutrition. In March 2021, I found the perfect community to help me do just that and more, and I am elated to share the faster way with you. In fact, there's never been a better time to try out this life-transforming program that I joined. Kicking off Monday, June 14th through June 18th, 
month, you can join the Faster Way 5-Day Summer Slimdown. It is a program that not only helps you achieve the results you desire, but sets you up for a long-term success with habits and ideas that can improve your health journey and lifestyle. You get a chance to try it out for 20 bucks to see if this program is right for you. Cool part is this is what you'll receive. Daily workouts with the Faster Way community, app access, a simple yet delicious meal plan, an active group of community for accountability, which goodness knows I've needed that, a coach to answer your questions and bonus trainings. The best part is that if you try this program for only $20 to find out if this is the right space for you, if you decide that it is, you can use that $20 toward the $199 six-week program. I'm here to tell you that it is worth every single penny and you would be able to join with my very own coach who helped me with this life transformation. I cannot recommend this program more. And I encourage you to click on the link in the show notes to check it out, sign up and start your own transformation journey today. Now back to the show. Welcome Michaela Andrews to the In Awe Podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I'm so excited to be here today. Oh my goodness. I am so honored that you would take time out of your super important and purposed and mission-filled schedule to have this conversation with me because as listeners know, I believe there's a mission in the message and I have had the really beautiful honor of being able to watch you lead for a couple of years and have an engagement with you that I think um, you're going to have a message today for the listeners that's just going to be really powerful. So I just appreciate you and I wanted to make sure I say that right off the bat. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you too. And the ways that we have been able to interact and um, the ways that I've been able to learn through your leadership, just even watching you and what you do and the intentionality with which you go into every moment. So I'm so excited to be here today and to share this time with you. Yay. All right. So let's get the listeners warmed up to you, Michaela. Would you do me a favor and just share with us a little bit about your current context? Who are you? What are you up to in this beautiful world of ours? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Michaela. And um, right now I'm living in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. Um, I work as the communications pastor uh, at a church here called Red Cedar. Um, and I guess probably one of the more unique um, pieces of this for me is that uh, my husband and I are both Canadian. Uh, so this is my first time working in the U.S. I'm here uh, on a work visa. And um, so this is like a grand adventure um, being here in the States and uh, has added a lot of layers to, you know, leadership stories and um, situations that I found myself in over the last couple of years. So, so happy to be in Wisconsin. Um, and um, yeah, so I work as the communications pastor, which means that I do um, internal and external communications here at the church, just making sure that everybody's in the loop, but also um, leveraging, you know, social media and the newspaper and just the, the places where people meet um, to just allow them to get a little glimpse into uh, what life with Jesus could look like to begin to build those first bridges. Um, and then I also uh, lead part of our staff team, our creative part of our staff team, which has been a beautiful journey here. And um, yeah, so that's who I am, what I do. It's quite a lot. I want to back up just a little bit because here we are recording in yeah, June of 2021 and we've been through a thing. And here you're saying like, you know, you've been in Wisconsin for a while. Can you just share your kind of lived experience through this whole COVID mess? Yeah. Well, so actually my husband and I got married in October of 2019. Um, and we were trying to decide whether we were going to get married in October 2019 or in the spring of 2020. And I am so happy, grateful for the covering <laughs> of the Holy Spirit on that decision because we wouldn't, he was living in Canada at the time. So we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't have been together throughout this last year and a chunk. 
Um, and I'm so glad that he has been here. Um, but yeah, so Timothy arrived in November of 2019 uh, here in the States for the first time, which was just in time for the 2020 election season cycle, as well as, um, yeah, everything that has happened with this pandemic and COVID. And uh, so it's been an interesting um, journey to experience um, everything that has happened in the U.S. Um, in the past two years from inside of the U.S. I think that um, on when we're in Canada, um, Canadians are very aware, um, like very aware and very invested in what happens in the U.S., um, in the political sphere and in the social sphere and all of those things. And so um, I've always had a very good understanding of what was going on here, but to be actually in the thick of it instead of being, you know, on the other side of the fence has been a very interesting experience. And I think that there has been heart impact, I think, on that and and just understanding, um, wow, what God is doing in the midst of all of it. Um, it's been even more um, like potent or, or very real in front of us because we're in the middle of it. Yeah. I just thank you so much for going down that path with me because I find it fascinating mm -hmm. um, because not only are you experiencing um, church leadership during a time that nobody else has experienced mm -hmm. this, these challenges, you know, um, so you're trying to lead an organization, lead people. And from the spiritual lens, mm -hmm. when we know, we just put it on the table, it's been one of the most spiritually challenging, um, I would say, because of that, just if I'd use a little license myself to say that the enemies at work really trying to divide people. And, um, you know, it's in our yes, families, you know, everywhere. And to think that not only are you navigating those very um, new to everybody in this world uh, challenges, but you also are doing it from uh, the lens of somebody who's not even like, you know, citizen of these United States, you know, so you have the politics, you have yeah. the pandemic. I mean, there's just so many different variables that you've been juggling in your leadership role in this past year. Yeah, absolutely. It has been, um, yeah, there have been a lot of, I think really, uh, so we haven't seen our family also because the borders have been closed for, um, I think we're going, we're just over a year and a half at this point. And so that's another added, um, kind of layer on top of it. Timothy and I were like newlyweds when the pandemic hit and all of a sudden we were like in a, in a one bedroom apartment <laughs> with each other for like four months, which, um, actually went really well. Um, but yeah, there's just like, there has been so many things that have just layered on top of each other and on top of each other and on top of each other during this time. And, um, even in the past couple of weeks, like, um, to be, we find ourselves in the interesting situation where we are having to like absorb the impact of all of the things that are happening in the U S and at Canada at the same time. Um, and so mm -hmm. when we were in the middle of the pandemic, there were the ways the two countries were handling that differently when, um, everything that happened with George Floyd and kind of the domino effect that that brought around in, in the U S Canada was also dealing with its own kind of darker history with, um, indigenous people. And, um, uh, just this past week, there were 215 children um, that were found at a residential school, a mass grave um, of 215 children found in a residential school in BC. And in mm -hmm. Ontario, there was a family, a Muslim family that were hit in a hit and run and, and four of them passed away. And so there's this very real sense that like, man, when something happens here, um, we barely catch our breath and then something is happening back home. And it's just like having to reckon with and um, just really go to God with, the, I 
feel like just the amount of chaos, the things that are coming off the hinges in in the world, but also trust him that he's doing something good, that he's he's bringing things towards himself and that there will be redemption in this process at some point. You gave the listeners an opportunity and a glimpse into what it's like to be um, pastored by you. I don't think that's the right term, but (laughs) one of the things that just strikes me is you're clearly in the right position at the right time in your leadership, no matter how hard that is, how personally challenging that might be for you to be able to so clearly articulate those um, dual challenges that you're facing and to bring it back to the center again, which is so critical. And so I really appreciate you doing that for us because I need that too. (laughs) So... You're awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So let's get off of that topic for just a minute, like the pandemic. I appreciate, I think it's so important um, because I think so many of us, we're still living this. We're still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. We're still kind of in shock from the trauma of it and thinking it was going to get better. And, and now we're trying to reintegrate ourselves. And I think there's so much to that, but I really am fascinated by you as your story. And I would love for you to just kind of give us an overview about your journey into leadership as a woman. Um, and, and you can choose however you want to start, wherever you want on that path. And let's just go along with you. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a home where like, um, it, there wasn't really anything that I couldn't, like, I was never told that I couldn't do things. Um, so the mm-hmm. idea even at a young age that I like, I couldn't be a pastor because I was a woman was just like, that wasn't something that I even thought of until I found myself in a university setting. And there were, there were guys who were telling me that like, that I couldn't do that. Um, but I think even in a broader sense, like not even just pastoral leadership, but just, um, leadership itself. Um, I think, um, there are some really pivotal moments in my life, um, where somebody saw something within me that in that moment was manifesting as a really obnoxious, like character trait. Um, but they, (laughs) they pulled that out of me and they called it out and they said like, look, this isn't just, this isn't just, um, like, you're not just bossy. (laughs) You're not just annoying. You don't just, um, see things and call things out all of the time, but like, these are gifts that somebody has put inside of you. Um, and that person, you know, is the creator of the universe and he's calling you towards something. And so if you learn how to steward these things, um, with, um, his love and grace, uh, and also, um, for his glory, um, then there can be some really cool things that happen in the middle of that. Um, so for me, I guess in terms of, uh, trajectory for, for like a profession, um, I initially started going to school to be a school teacher. So I enrolled in the Christian school education program at um, a university on the East coast of Canada. And I did that for two years and um, really enjoyed like teaching, really enjoyed learning about teaching and was really looking forward to, to doing that. But um, during that time um, that was, those were some of the moments where somebody called something out of me. Um, I had people who called administrative leadership out of me. Um, I had people who said like, um, you know, who, who, who took a chance and lent me their trust. Um, the, the trust that they had already built up in, in certain circles and they went before me and they spoke highly of me and they gave me the opportunity, um, to learn and to grow and to kind of have some of those rougher edges beveled out. Um, and so it was in the, the summer between my second and third year that I was doing, um, 
I was running a video camera for an ordination service um, at um, in the Wesleyan Church on the east coast of Canada, the Atlantic District. And I watched as um, the beginning of the procession happened for that ordination service. So that that ordination service is the time when um, people who have been training to be pastors um, get ordained. So they become like a reverend whoever. Um, the church commissions them for that. Um, so I was running the camera for that service and there was a bagpiper who walked forward first, um, playing something on the bagpipes, very Scottish, very like East coast. Um, and then, um, there is this train of every man and woman who had been ordained in the Wesleyan church in the Atlantic district and was alive. So you had everybody from like 22 year olds all the way up to like 98 year olds. You had men and women. There was a lady who walked down who had like hair that was six different colors. And I was like, man, this is such a beautiful picture. Um, and in that moment, God spoke to me and he said, I I've been, I've been, cultivating in you a desire for something more. And this is it. I don't just want you to teach fifth graders how to do math, but I want you to teach people. I want you to, to teach people about me um, and what it means to live um, with me in a holy life and to be my disciple and to be, um, to be walking close to me. Um, and so I changed my trajectory. I changed my major. I went into pastoral ministry, um, finished that up in the four years. Um, so graduated with a degree in pastoral ministry and then um, came to Rice Lake. And uh, I guess in the time that I've been in Rice Lake, uh, I've done, I've, I've popped around and, and done a few different things um, while I've been here. Um, and um, so have been a communications pastor the whole time, but have kind of worked under and for different people and have led different teams. And um, yeah, so God has just really opened up the opportunity for me to to grow in ways that I wasn't ready for and I wasn't qualified for. Um, but he's really just been so gracious to me in the middle of that. It's such a gorgeous story. Um, and I and what I really loved hearing you say at the end, when you said uh, that you weren't prepared or qualified for, and yeah. whether you as a listener are tuned into the faith and spiritual aspect of this conversation or not, as a woman in leadership, that is something that we all tend to struggle with, especially if we're trying to yeah. do it on our own power. You know, there's great research out there that shows us that uh, women in leadership very rarely will even try for a position if they don't meet all the qualifications. And, and I think yeah. it ties so perfectly here because we're not the ones who qualify ourselves anyway. Um, you know, yeah. God does that and he makes us mm -hmm. qualified. And yeah. so I hear your story and I'm just, it's sad to me that I haven't sat and listened to it before this moment because I'm thinking we're your first church. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. This is it. I came to Red Cedar um, and my main function when I got here was to be the executive um, assistant to our executive pastor. And within two and a half weeks of being here, I was leading a team of four people. Mm -hmm. um, so you, I mean, first of all, talk about trial by fire. Second of all, talk about like, wow, incredibly unqualified. Um, but yeah, it, it is a beautiful story that I could not have. Like if you had told me six years ago that I was going to be a pastor at a church at all, like I would have said that you were absolutely off your rocker, um, much less um, to have had the opportunities that I've had. Um, yeah, I couldn't have written this story if I tried. 
That's beautiful. And I love it. Um, I loved hearing about your background. Thank you for sharing that. Of course, as an educator myself and training, it's fun to hear that that was your original leaning. Um, And it's so funny to me how many of the, well, I'm just going to put it out there. The female pastors that I have really loved and adored and the people who have been guides in my life, they all started out as educators. (laughs) (laughs) It's the funniest thing in the world. Um, Most famous being Jen Hatmaker. Um, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the pastor that was there in place when you first came, where you, um, when Heather Semple was here. Uh, so that's just funny. It's a trend. I just noticed, sorry, uh, <laughs> took me a moment. It, it is not surprising to me at, like, I have even talked to, um, a few female pastors, even in the last couple of months. And it's incredible to me how many of us have that origin story. Um, and I think that it's because, I I think, first of all, what you said in terms of like women not feeling like they're qualified, um, like I could teach a room of, you know, fifth graders, but I would never have thought that I would be standing up in in front of a room of 500 adults and being able Mm -hmm. to teach them. Um, But I also think that the, the tools that I gained in those first two years of an education degree in terms of like, you know, the psychology of learning and all of those Mm -hmm. things, like those have only, um, those have only given me better insights into the, the task that I'm, that is before me right now. Um, and I don't know what I, I don't know what I would have done really if I didn't have those skills before I was put in this position. That's so awesome. Um, shout out to the education profession. Well, and two, another, you know, an interesting thing too, when you talk about how you are equipped and how you said when, when that message from the Holy Spirit spoke to you about how you've been being equipped, uh, you want to share a little bit of back, about your background with why you're so comfortable in that stage? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so my mom um, was a musical theater major um, when she was in college. And so uh, super early on, um, got me involved in theater. I always say that. So I was born in December and um, within two weeks of being born, I was playing Jesus in our local <laughs> church pageant. So, you know, right out of the womb and onto the stage. But yeah. Um, so for me, most of the the kind of like leadership lessons that are that stick with me the most that I use every day, I learned from the stage. Um, by the time I, that I graduated high school, I had been in like over 30 productions. And so all of those things, um, you know, my desire to bring beauty and worship, beauty into worship that comes out of my love of theater, you know, love of teaching, um, the importance of being flexible and rolling with the punches, the ability to see the big picture and, um, you know, see the importance of every little detail. Um, um, man, the importance of every single person in a production has really just formed my, my understanding of the role that every single person plays in the church. Um, the, theater was the first time that I had an experience of leading, um, at all. And so, yeah, so that's where I feel the most at home on the stage. And so the idea of, you know, standing up and preaching a sermon isn't super far off for me from that. Um, and I'm really thankful for the way that God has used that. Beautifully, in fact. And so you may not know this, but I'm sure my listeners by now know this. I'm a huge theater geek, um, grew up the same. And I, and my daughter is yes. now uh, in love with the stage and is really cool to hear you say that. You know, I've always said that every part matters, although I will admit as an Enneagram 7, I was like, yeah. I want the lead. I want the lead. <laughs> Give me the lead. Like, over time, like, and I had to learn that and refine that in myself. 
um, about every role being important from every stage hand to the lighting to the sound. And I know that uh, what you just said there was meant to be heard again. And, it, and I needed to hear it mm-hmm. and have it land right here when you talked about leadership, how it prepared you to help you understand mm-hmm. how everybody around you is a part of that and, you know, has an integral piece. Because one of the things that you know, I'm keenly aware of just because I've been given the awesome opportunity to serve in so many different roles um, in my volunteering for the church is uh, during COVID here, especially with the online aspects, right? And how much, you know, it, it's not a performance per se. We don't want to ever look at it like that, but it is a production and it's meant to be glorifying uh, to God through all of that. But it really is a perfect alignment with that example of theater. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. We, um, we say in the production world here that, um, our role is to facilitate, um, what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so we never want it to be just like some, yeah, some like gaudy performance that is, is meant to say like, oh man, that worship leader has a a crazy good voice or whatever it is. But, um, we want to be facilitating our gifts so that somebody else would be able to have a, an encounter with the Holy Spirit and that they might be able to unlock what, what their gift, what their purpose is. That's so beautiful. And I love it. I love watching that manifest through everybody using their gifts. And I'm so grateful to know that that background is in you <laughs> to lead you up to that. It's so cool. Okay. So we've, I, I mentioned the Enneagram and I know that you are, um, deeply entrenched in that. And I was wondering if we could kind of go down that path, because as I was listening to you talk, I am super curious about that. If you could share with us the self-knowledge that you've gained through the Enneagram and talk to us about what how that informs your leadership. Yeah. Um, so I am an Enneagram three. Um, so the words that people use to describe an Enneagram three is the the performer or the achiever, or the go-getter. Um, So that has been probably one of the biggest, um, actually challenges in the past three years has been that, um, here at Red Cedar, we have just kind of popped around from one season of transition to another. And there's been a lot of kind of turnaround in terms of who's on staff and who's in which role. And so for me as the achiever, the the go-getter, it has been really easy. Um, one of the things that threes are really good at is walking into a room and reading what the need is, what people need, what people want, and then we become that thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so it has been a really big challenge in this past season um, to learn how to say no um, and to learn how to, um, I think one of the most valuable lessons that I've learned is that um, like sometimes when I stand out of the way, when I step out of the way, even though I may think that I can do something better, um, if I just do it on my own, if I step out on the way out of the way and allow somebody else to step into that, um, the reality is that I am going to have more time. So that's a bonus, but also that person is just going to fly. Like when I step out of the way, when I insert myself, (laughs) um, into too many things, I'm putting a lid. Um, on what is possible because my li- the lid is is how much energy I have, how much capacity, how much bandwidth I have. So when I step out of the way, I remove that lid and I allow somebody else to fly um, and to, to step into gifts that God has given them. Um, and so for me, really, the past few years have been about learning um, 
the the really beautiful but also kind of those like shadow sides of being a three um and and learning how to to channel those well i so appreciate those very uh, real examples of who you are uh because becoming Mm -hmm. um integrated as they say like in the enneagram world is really a process that takes a lot of (laughs) self-awareness And I love how uh, you mentioned inserting yourself in that will serve you. And I can only imagine the internal mm-hmm. struggle um, that that must feel like to yeah. allow that leadership of others to flourish. And I think just in my own mm-hmm. experiences, um, studying leadership, being a professor of leadership theory, all of these things that I've done over the years, it always makes me cringe a little bit when I think about my younger years and the leadership there would have mm-hmm. been to just do it myself. <laughs> Because it's so much easier, it feels like, but it's really not. And it's not the right way to go mm-hmm. about things. So it's very powerful observation. Um, and you you face that challenge internally more than a person who comes at the world as another number um, because of that achiever go-getter. Mm-hmm. Big question for you. Has the... Have the challenges that, um, you know, the world and the church through this whole pandemic, we know that uh, numbers are shrinking mm-hmm. in churches all across, you know, the country. Has that been a struggle for you that you'd be willing to share? Uh, because just knowing that achiever piece, like looking at stats or does that not bug you? I'm just curious. Personally, um, there has been a lot of struggle through the pandemic and there was a point last October um, where my husband just kind of had to like throw a flag and say like, you are not healthy. Like the amount of things that you have taken on that you have said yes to, or that somebody has given you, you are like breaking under that weight. Um, and so it's not bad to ask for help. Um, and it's also okay. Like it is, mm. sometimes you just have to have the the humility to step back and say like, I, I, I took on too much and now I need, I did it wrong (laughs) and I need help. Um, I think that from the, like a global perspective in terms of like what's happening in the church right now, and even the cultural shifts that we see in the world at large, um, I see that less as like a man. I mean, there are a lot of really sad things about it, but I see it maybe more as a challenge. And I see the beauty of what God is beginning to birth in the middle of it. Um, so very specifically, we see, um, like from the church side of things, um, we see that at least one in every three people who attended church before the pandemic, um, is no longer attending church. Um, one in three people who was attending church before the pandemic is either attending online in a really inconsistent basis, um, or is going from having been attending like, um, three out of four Sundays or, or weekends to attending one, um, out of four. And so kind of those, those, those targets are shifting. Um, there's a Canadian study that's being, that's being done and it's showing that, um, in, in terms of the millennial and Gen Z generations, that only 4% of people who are millennial and Gen Z in Canada um, regularly attend church. And the goal, like the target for that is only attending two out of every four um, weekends. And so that's like, that can, that's massive. Um, that's going to change the landscape of the church and it can be very daunting. Um, but for me, I just see that as an invitation um, into how God is going to do something new. Like the church as we've known it before is absolutely disappearing. It is not going to look the same um, as it did a year ago, two years ago, 
in the next three to five years, it's going to be completely different. But I also know that the church, as we've never seen it before, is appearing in really beautiful and miraculous ways. And I'm so excited um, for what God has in store for us. And I'm really, I'm so honored to be able to say yes and step into that with him. Uh, You had me feeling emotional for a moment just listening to you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that... um, that that question prompted you to speak in such a powerful way about those numbers. Uh, Because, you know, I wasn't trying to bait you, but I was thinking, (laughs) how do you measure achievement in your role, right? Like, I don't know. Um, You know, it's so different for everybody, but I love that. Um, Such a visionary statement from you. And I really, really appreciate that. Okay. Well, Michaela, I am just dying that I have to shift the conversation to our two standard questions, but I know that you're going to have a lot to say. But, and I also, if you'd be willing to kind of sneak in somewhere in here, I saw you post something the other day on social media about engaging in a women in leadership training experience. Do you just want to share with us a little bit about that? You bet. When uh, it was last summer in um, July, early July, and I was just feeling it was the beginning of the end for me of like feeling really, really overwhelmed, feeling like um, there was just way too much stuff on my plate. Um, And somebody invited me to this um, women in leadership um, um, cohort. Um, And I felt in that moment like I did not have any room emotionally Um, personally, I didn't have room in my schedule to be able to do that. Um, but I'm so glad that I did, um, because this experience it's called, um, women in leadership. Um, and it's put on by, uh, the foresight group, um, which is led by Jenny Catrone, um, who was an executive pastor at a church in Nashville, um, for many, many years. Um, and, um, also Allie Worthington, who is, um, an author and uh, a coach. And these ladies are just like absolute powerhouses. Um, and so in the, it was so funny because I think my biggest takeaways, um, from this experience were how to have more emotional space, how to have more calendar space, how to have, um, more personal space in my life. Um, and so the it's very things that I was fearing at the beginning were the things that I walked out of those skills. Um, so it's called the Women in Leadership um, Coaching Intensive, put on by Foresight. Um, you can go to their website. Um, it's www.get the number four site s i g h t dot com, um, and there will be a link there. Um, but it's a six month intensive, I think. So you start in July, um, and then every month you meet once a month. Uh, with the women who are in your cohort and you just do a teaching session and then there's an hour um, for you to just be able to connect with women um, who are in leadership. So it's not a, it's not, it's a Jesus based curriculum, but it's not, um, it's not like only for people, women who are in ministry. Uh, And that was honestly one of the most incredible parts of it for me, because I feel like um, even at this day and age, being a woman who is in leadership is it's you're still a little bit of a unicorn and it's hard to find people even within our own circles. And so sometimes we have to go out of our own like social circles to be able to find people who you can identify with people who are walking through the same things that you are. Um, So, yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. Thank you. And it's, it's awesome to hear about that. Thank you for sharing the details. I had followed Allie Worthington for a good while and she, um, can't remember which thing she had going before COVID hit. It was conferences and things like that. And I always had the idea that I wanted to join in whatever she had going on. And I just to affirm what you're talking about, you know, the whole reason this podcast exists is exactly what you're talking about is that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it feels as a woman in leadership, it can feel very lonely. And and how you said being the unicorn, I know that as a Mm -hmm 
a female um, high school principal, I was one, I was the only one in our conference. And I often felt that. Um, If I ever move into the superintendency role, it will absolutely be that Mm -hmm. way. In our current conference, Mm -hmm. only 12% that are females. Mm -hmm. And so it's very aligned with, I'm sure, the data in the profession of pastoring. And so I just think uh, that's really powerful to find a community. And Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that because the other thing that it tells me is at that time when you were kind of reaching burnout, it's another topic that I'm deeply passionate about is that, you know, going beyond balance is the thing that I do with my clients too, is working through that intentionality, you know, living with intentionality and making sure that we're not losing ourselves to any one area of our lives. Because once that starts to happen, we're not the vessel anymore that we're supposed, Mm -hmm. you know, that God was meaning for us to be. So, um, it's just a, it's such a welcome message. So thank you for sharing that and your vulnerability to share that you did choose to do that. And it's a really good support mechanism um, for people who are in leading. And I, one more thing I want to say about it is my listeners know this too. I don't think that there is ever um, enough coaches in this world doing that work because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think we all need that. I benefit from a coach um, and, and the community aspect of it is so powerful. So I'll be sure to link that for listeners. Okay, I have those standard questions we got to get to, and, and I think I stole from some of it, but let's let's see what you say to this, okay? Okay. Yep. So the first one is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? Yeah, um, so this is a really, um, a really good question, but I think a really hard question because um, a little bit like what we were talking about before, um, God is in the business of redeeming things. And so when I look back at, you know, what has happened in the last year or in the last two years, um, even the last, you know, six years or back when I was 15 or 12, man, like there are so many moments where I look back and I can still feel the sting of how difficult those seasons were. Um, but I also wouldn't want to like warn myself off of any of those times um, because they were the moments um, that God used to refine me, um, and to, to, to draw me into himself. Um, and so the first thing that I thought of when you asked this question was, man, like what, what could I avoid? But then I was like, man, I don't want to avoid any of those things. I am who I am because of those situations. And so I guess my mind turned to, um, something that only recently, um, has come to the forefront of my mind. Um, there's a few weeks ago, my husband and I have been working with a counselor um, out of Grand Rapids and um, we were doing some um, prayer work um, after having kind of delved into some, some, some issues. And um, God gave me um, this very intentional and specific vision that I'm so thankful for. Um, but I think that it could probably apply to a lot of people. So you already know that I love theater, um, that that's the stages where I grew up. Um, and so in this, the first place that I found myself was in the lobby of our local like performing arts theater. And it was after a show. I knew that it was after a show um, and everybody was around and they were doing the things that they normally do. Like everybody's congratulating, people are giving flowers and whatever. Um, but I felt like something was missing. I knew that something was missing from that moment, that um, that mountaintop moment. And I was looking around the room and I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't find Jesus there in the room of celebration after, um, after the performance. And so I went and I started looking around for him and where I found Jesus was not on the stage and it wasn't in the lobby and he wasn't in the seats, but he was in the practice room and he was waiting Mm -hmm. for me. Um, and, um, 
getting a little bit emotional. He, um, at first what I thought was that he was there because um, for me as an Enneagram three, even when I went into rehearsals, man, I came with my lines memorized with my songs already learned and with whatever, whatever choreography I could have gotten my hands on before that, like I was already ready with those things. I wasn't come to, coming to rehearsal to learn. Um, I, I wanted to be performance ready before I got in front of anybody in front of any person. And so the performance, the, the practice room was the place um, was the place where I did my work, where the place where I did my preparation, but nobody else was allowed to be in there. So at first I thought that Jesus was in that room um, because he was telling me that he wants to be with me in the rehearsal room, in the practice room, that he wants to be with me in those moments of preparation. And that even in, even in the moments that I don't let anybody else see, um, that he wants to see me in those moments. And that enough in itself was like enough to break me down and wreck me for the rest of the day. Um, but then even a step further than that, what he opened my eyes to was that he wasn't there to watch me practice. He was just there because I was there and he was delighting in being with me. He just wanted to be with me and that's where I was. And so he was there too. It wasn't that I was practicing or that I was doing anything specific, but because I am his child, because I am his daughter, he just wanted to be with me and to be in my presence and to spend time with me. Um, and so the idea for me that I would be worthy of love um, by anybody really, but especially by Jesus, not because I was doing anything, not because I was putting in the good work, not because I had finished a performance and people were congratulating me, but just, he just wanted to be with me as I am was completely um, I knew it in my head. Like I knew what that, I knew that I should know that in my head, but I had never felt it in my heart before. Um, and so if I was to write to my younger self, if I was to write to 12 year old or 15 or 16 or 21 year old Michaela, if I was to write to Michaela last October. That's what I would tell her. I would tell her that it's okay to let Jesus be in the practice room with you, that he, it's okay to let him find delight in you, even in your most vulnerable moments. Um, I would tell her that your worth is as finished as his finished work on the cross, that his love for you will not grow or diminish based on anything you do or you don't do, that his love for you is absolutely decided on. It's done. Um, I would tell myself over and over and over again that it is not what you do. Your worth is not in what you do or what you become, but it is solely based on your position as a child of God. That's so powerful, Michaela. You um, just gave a master class <laughs> in how an Enneagram 3 comes into that beautiful, um, empowered, loved space. Um and it's really mm -hmm. beautiful. You're going to title that book, The Practice Room, right? <laughs> and I will be the first one to buy it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. My friend Katie, almost two years ago, gave me a necklace that says worthy, which is worthy is they say that that is the core longing of an Enneagram 3 to be worthy. And I have worn it almost every day since we got back from that session because I, I know it now. Like I he has placed that in my heart. Um, and so, yeah, I'm so thankful for the work that he does. That's so powerful. 
Well, thank you. I, I just really, really appreciate you sharing that deep insight. It's really powerful. Um, I'm probably going to be thinking about that one for weeks, just to be honest with you. Oh, okay. How about this one? Um, if listeners find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, what could you say to help them rise up out of it? So I think that being faithful um, on our journey, um, that is really the thing that has brought me out um, so many times. Um, and I think this actually, um, it relates to probably another question that you're going to ask about what is the, the biggest joy um, or the greatest um, kind of like trial, struggle, weight of being a woman in leadership. Um, but so Katie Cole and Jenny Catrone, who actually lives leads the Foresight Group, um, they both, um, I've heard them both use the analogy that being um, a woman in leadership is like walking through an overgrown forest or a farmer's field with, with a machete in your hands. And you're having, um, when you are the first one to walk through, or even the second or third person to walk through, um, it's daunting work to clear the brush that's in front of you. And it's the kind of work that absolutely wears you down to your bones. It's exhausting and it's frustrating. And you're pretty much guaranteed when you're walking through those moments to come out with some bowel wounds from the brush that you're trying to clear, you know, because um, every time that we're called to walk a new path, we're clearing out the brush of what, what used to be. Um, and as women, when we walk that path, um, we're breaking down misconceptions and we're clearing out the postures of jealousy and rivalry. And we're making space for women to be and to think and to lead and to succeed. And that is not easy work. Um, I think for a lot of us, it will be some of the hardest work that we ever that we ever do. Um, but the beauty of that is that women when we walk that path, um, it clears out a little bit more of that overgrown forest or field, and it makes it easier for the women who come behind us to walk um, and to be able to focus on her mission and her goals and her calling and who God created her to be instead of having to have the added weight of trying to make space for herself while she's trying to do that, too. Um, so all of that to say, um, I think the thing that is is from for me, when I am, um, when I have lost hope or when, when there's despair that's around me, um, I just remember that when I am faithful in my journey, then there are others who can follow. Um, and sometimes that is a massive weight. <laughs> um, sometimes that feels like too much. And the incredible part about it is that like, I don't have to hold that weight on my own because God is much more interested um, in my calling. He is much more interested in your calling, the calling of women that will come behind me. And he is also much more interested in justice than I am. And so I get to partner with the Holy Spirit in that work of clearing the path. And I don't have to hold all of that for myself. Um, but there are many moments um, when when that is the thing that like picks me back up again, um, that in the faithfulness of my journey, that there is somebody else who is going to be able to come and walk and it's going to be easier for her. And she is going to have a, a louder voice and more space to be um, because of the work that the Holy Spirit is doing um, in me and through me um, and the honor that it is to be able to to bear that weight. 
you absolutely did fold in those two questions um, really well together. And I just know that there's listener that needed to hear that message from you right now, the imagery that you provided, and honestly, the strength and courage that a person could bolster from those words spoken right through you um, to remind us that, you know, we don't have to do that on our own. And that strength in there is not ours alone. Um, the burden isn't ours alone to bear. And I just really, really appreciated that. And with that, I have such sadness that this conversation is over, but I'm just so grateful. Um, you've given us so much to think about. I know that my listeners are going to hear the mission and your message. I'm grateful every day that I got an opportunity in the last couple of years to watch you grow and flourish. And I'm deeply appreciative of this opportunity to get to know you better and to share you with the in awe community. I just know that they are going to absolutely love it. And a lot of times they want to know how they can engage with you after the interview. So would you share with us the best way for them to connect with you if they'd like to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess my platform is just um, beginning and starting. So the easiest ways for you to get um, in touch with me would be either Twitter or Instagram. Um, my handles are Michaela Sue. So um, it's I have a very interesting spelling for my name. So it's M-C-C-A-I-L-A um, Sue, S-U-E, uh, or on Facebook, just Michaela Andrews. Um, but I would be happy. I would be more than happy to begin to grow, to grow my circle, uh, to add more friends. That's awesome. So listeners, I will be sure to link that, of course, as I always do. And Michaela, I just want to thank you. Thank you for stepping into the lady leader role for allowing God to qualify you and for leading the way and inspiring us today in this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sarah. It has been an honor to be here. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.